Hi everyone, it's Amelia Quint, and you're listening to Bad Astrologers, where we take a cultural, spiritual, literary, and mythological look at the heavens. As always, this podcast is made possible by our patrons. We have a growing community of mystics, magical practitioners, and open-minded seekers just like you over at patreon.com slash badastro, where for a small monthly donation, you'll get exclusive access to monthly forecasts and horoscopes, bonus episodes, and a monthly Q&A video where we answer a question about your personal needle chart. If all this sounds like your cup of tea, head over to Patreon and join us. Another easy way to show us how much you love us is to leave us a five-star review on iTunes. It helps other people find this podcast and is kind of like magic, but for the algorithm. And while you're at it, be sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Bad Astrologers for a good time. As you may already know, Jessa is still traveling across the world and in between dimensions. So this will be the second conversation in our interview series. I had the distinct pleasure of talking to Vanessa Arena, whose music I've had on repeat for ages and whose deep traditional astrology informed practice has very much influenced my own in recent years. She's currently the co-host of the Good Bones podcast with Mallory Vaudois, who is the author of Honoring Your Ancestors, where they blend smart astrology, magical remedies, and irreverent fun. My conversation with Vanessa is a wild ride, from the planet Mars to mystic visions to Marjorie Cameron. So sit back, relax your shoulders, turn up the volume, and enjoy the show. Hi, everyone. It is Amelia Quint with Bad Astrologers here with a lovely guest today. She is a magical multi-hyphenate and someone whose work I have been following for a very, very long time. Um, Yeah, today we have Vanessa Arena on the show. Hi, Vanessa. Hi, thank you for having me. Yeah, thank you for coming on. Um, We have lots of ground to cover because I know that you, you do a lot. Um, so yeah, to get us started for people who may not know, um, like I said, you're a magical multi-hyphenate. How would you introduce your work to somebody, um, who might be new to what you have going on right now? Um, wow. I'm like not good about talking about myself, but, um, (laughs) (laughs) but, um, I guess I would describe myself as a musician and an artist mostly. Um, I, I don't really like I don't really like labels, you know, um, but I guess I consider myself to be kind of more of a like a mystic than anything else in that I'm really interested in ecstatic states and also, um, you know, visionary experiences and and, uh, ways that we can experience like trance states through music and uh, other kinds of ecstatic practices like dance and stuff. So that's kind of what my all of my work focuses on. Um, My music, I make a I call it experimental devotional music. Um, I basically (laughs) I'm I basically make uh, experimental music that's meant to be used kind of for ritual and dance and that sort of thing. And then um, and then also uh, just in my own sort of spiritual practice, uh, I'm a diviner and I also practice astrology as well. And um, 
and I have a big ancestor veneration practice. And I also have a podcast called Good Bones with my really good friend, Mallory Vaudois. And uh, we just kind of talk about spirituality and our personal magical practices and that sort of thing. Wonderful. That was so much better than any introduction I could have given you. That was so <laughs> concise and great. Um, yeah, I love that you call yourself a mystic, first of all. Um, I, I, Vanessa and I have been following each other on Twitter and various social medias for several years now, probably four or five years. But I've always mm -hmm. loved, Vanessa, that you've been really engaged throughout the witchcraft um, trend with magical practice, but sort of maybe outside of that label. Um, mm -hmm. And I, I find really fascinating the way you've chosen to have that conversation. Do you identify as a witch or you mostly put yourself in the mystic category? Um, I don't really like I, I, I consider myself to be a person who practices witchcraft to, to an extent, yes. but I don't it's not but I don't really um, just that's not really a label that I use a lot for myself, uh, you know, though, but though you could t you could definitely call me that. Um, I think that just for me, I think that um, witchcraft is something that you do as opposed to being something that you necessarily can just be, you know? So I yes, try to 100%. keep it focused on, I keep it, I try to keep it focused on like, oh, I'm doing which like I'm doing witchcraft right now or whatever, but it's not just, you know, a label that I use a lot, I guess. Absolutely. I love that so much. I feel like, um, so I should probably share here at the beginning, then we'll get into it more later. Um, Vanessa is also a Scorpio sun, Sagittarius I rising, am. like myself, um, but she has an Aries moon, so um, pretty different than my Gemini moon. But yeah, so I think I share that with you in that I practice witchcraft, um, but it's never really been a label that I, I like sought out for myself or like felt really comfortable wearing, um, mm -hmm. even though I think it's an easy way for people to identify um, this is a, a person who is actively carrying out a magical practice. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. So I want to switch gears a little bit. I want to start out and talk about your work as a musician. Um, because that was kind of how I first was introduced to you and everything you do. Um, I know you perform under the name Knife Sex and you released your album. Can you pronounce the name of your album for me so I don't mess it up? Uh, which one? Um, uh, the, the first one, Depth Now? He he Hecate's Feast. I'm going to say oh, that. Oh, yeah, okay. Uh, <laughs> I, say now, okay. As, I say Depna, but I don't know if that's actually correct because I'm not, you know, I don't speak Greek or ancient Greek. Um, right. And I, I know that the term just from reading it mostly. But um, yeah, that's that's my that was my first EP that I released mm -hmm. um, in, I think, what, 2016, in the beginning of 2016. And then yes. my record that was um, a devotional album to Babylon came out the same year in November of 2016. Yes, absolutely. Um, I love both of those albums and I love the way Thank that you, you um, weave devotional aspects into them. So if y'all are looking for music to put with your rituals, I highly recommend that. I think um, the song Mother, it was called, ended up on my like Spotify most listened to. Uh, oh, that's so cool. Thank you. That sounds super flattered. Would, yeah, it, it's a terrific. And, and I particularly love the song. Um, I don't remember the title of it. You wove in um, John D's Daughter Fortitude speech. Oh, yeah. It's just called Daughter Fortitude. 
Yeah. Oh, okay. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, if if y'all are wondering what John D's daughter fortitude speech is, um, it's a very famous. Um, what would you call it? Almost like a a love letter to the goddess that we would think of now as Babylon. Um, very beautiful. Very yeah. Poetic. I mean, I would. It's it's almost like an and almost like a channeled message from her. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, I see it that way. Definitely. Yeah, 100%. It's kind of like her embodied. Um, mm-hmm. But as far as your uh, musical work, I'm wondering, like, what part of your astrological makeup do you feel like shines through the most when you're creating or performing as an I've said? Um, I feel like my chart is so heavily martial. And my music is very mm-hmm. heavily martial as well. <laughs> um, I have an I, I have an Aries moon, and my moon is in the fifth house. So um, that's you know where. Uh, and, and I'm also just a person that has always been really creative, and um, you know I've always just made art and music and stuff like that. And it just comes from that martial place of the fifth house, but also with the Aries with my like the Aries moon, my moon there too. Um, so mm-hmm. I think that. Um, uh, and then also with my Scorpio son too, I feel like uh, my music kind of, so my music tends to be sort of like coming, it comes from a, a kind of a dark place, but it's also very aggressive, um, in a way, yeah. like, especially, mm-hmm. uh, I made a, I made a, um, a track with, uh, Al Cummins that was, um, like an invocation to Mars that was very, it's very aggressive and sort of industrial in a way. And so, um, yeah, that's just kind of, it's, it's like making music is sort of like an, like an exorcism for me in a lot of ways. It's a um, way, a way for me to just sort of like get stuff out of my system, I guess. But also, um, I think, I think making art is in a lot of ways, like, you know, you're sort of like, uh, Bring it, you're, you're kind of like going into the spirit world and like bringing back the spoils <laughs> in a way. You yeah, know, like I, absolutely. Because I, I feel like um, when I make music, I'm, I'm definitely in a tra- like a trance state to an extent. And a lot of times mm-hmm. I don't even rem- I don't even remember making it. Um, so I feel like it's this sort of like, uh, you know, in the same way that a grimoire is like a record of spirit contact. I feel like art in, is in the same way, like sort of um it's like it's it's like a, a you know a concrete uh manifestation of like those experiences you have when you're in those sort of like altered states of consciousness and i'm also yeah, very 100 percent. i'm also super neptunian too my i have neptune conjunct my ascendant so uh i think that the sort of like visionary trance state stuff comes in in that part of my chart as well yeah, looking at your chart, you have such a strong Mars-Neptune theme that the sort of, you know, shamanic, very ritualistic elements to basically everything you do is just, it's an incredibly strong thread that comes through everything. I love that mm-hmm. you mentioned the, um, Aries, fifth house, and you have Mars and Leo too. So that kind of mirrors mm-hmm. each other and like maybe amplifies each to the other a little bit as well. Mm-hmm. Um Mm, that's so good. Um, as far as your ecstatic uh, dance being part of your ritual, I know that your newsletter is called Ecstasis, um, and you've mentioned ecstatic dance being a part of your work as a musician. How did you kind of discover that? Is it something that you always did as sort of this exorcism practice of being really present in your performing? Or when did it become a part of your work? 
Um, well, I, I grew up as uh, doing a lot of dance. Like I was a ballerina in high, in high school and stuff like that. Oh. I never, never, yeah, yeah. never, uh, like never with the um, like intention of becoming a professional dancer. It was just something that I really enjoyed. But I always felt like, um, and, and I've been playing music since I was a kid. And so dance and music are, were always something that just went hand in hand to me. So like part of my mm -hmm. musical practice is to like put the music on and then dance to it and then see how it feels in my body. So there's that. And then also, um, I feel like uh, just sort of like in my own personal healing journey, um, you know, mm -hmm. growing up, I had, a, you know, um, I grew up in a, an abusive situation. And so I learned to kind of dissociate from my body for a long time. And then um, mm -hmm. I, you know, through my spiritual practice, I really had to learn how to re-inhabit my body in a lot of ways. Um, and so I did a lot of, I got into yoga for that reason and meditation and stuff like that. And it was a really slow process um, of like, you know, like I had a really hard time learning how to sit still to meditate and stuff like that. And so, um, uh, ecstatic dance became sort of a form of moving meditation for me, um, as a way to, uh, get into that state without having to sit still. And then also, um, uh, sort of almost as like, a a way to burn off like a, a lot of my aggressive martial energy too. Um, so Absolutely. just, you know, like, I, yeah, like, cause it's just like, I, I, I have so much of it. Um, and I really struggle with strong, um, like anger is, is, a, is a big issue yeah, for yeah. me. Um, and I so I have to, yeah, I have to, I have to really move my body and exercise so that I don't just like hold it in my body, you know? And yeah, so it just sort of it it just sort of evolved as part of that. And then um, I had been doing it for a while and I was like and I so I just released it as like a free course on my website so that people could do it. Like I ran one round of like a 30 day practice. Um, and then mm -hmm. so then so now I just have that on my website just as a free course that people can do if they want to do that. But it's just like a, 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 a basic primer on how to like how to do ecstatic dance. And then I have some playlists and stuff like that. Yes, we love a good playlist. Um, <laughs> the you've mentioned being a very Mars driven person a couple of times, and it's definitely a huge theme in your chart. And I think on this show, uh, Justin and I have talked before about, um, you know, struggling a little bit with our Mars energy, or it's mm -hmm. one of those very ending. I have Mars in Pisces, 29 degrees. Um, so mm -hmm. relating to wow. that energy is not always the easiest. Um, and for those of us who might struggle with uh, the more Martian side of ourselves, like, do how do you work with that energy since you have so much access to it? And do you have any tips on how the rest of us who are not so Mars inclined might uh, channel it a little more? Yeah, I'm, I, I'm, it's something I'm, you know, I'm kind of learning as I go, honestly, but I feel like this year, especially I'm going to have to, or like die trying because I'm in right. an air, <laughs> like, not only do I have all the Mars in my chart, but I'm in an Aries perfection this year. Like, so I'm in a oh, Mars gosh. ruled year and then Mars is going to spend six months in Aries. <laughs> the I sign, oh, the, sign of, like, <laughs> the sign of my perfected house, you know, with my moon. And so, I mean, I have a lot, I do struggle with a lot of the symptoms, like physical symptoms of excess Mars, in addition to the like anger, anxiety, stuff like that. So like I have migraines and insomnia and stuff like that. And so I've had mm -hmm. to do a lot of work to kind of remediate that stuff. Um, one of my favorite ways to remediate Mars energy is uh, to work with kettlebells. 
like doing like weightlifting, yes, like absolutely. like Mars Mars rules iron. So I feel like pumping iron <laughs> is like a really good um, <laughs> like propitiation to Mars, uh, and also Mars rules like athleticism and stuff like that too. So I think um, yeah, there's something about just like lifting weights that just feels really cathartic to me. Um, mm-hmm. I've also, I've also done martial arts in the past too, but I really like lifting weights the the most. Um, and then lately I've also just been working with, um, art, like art immediate art amusia medicine. So, um, like, uh, oh, okay. wormwood, wormwood mm-hmm. and, um, mugwort, um, because, uh, Artemisias are, you know, associated with the goddess Artemis. And because for that reason, mm-hmm. there are, they're ruled by Mars and, um, like wormwood, for example, is like insanely bitter and as a tincture, it's really bitter. And, um, so bitter like bitter medicine is really helpful for liver for the liver like it helps cleanse the liver and stuff like that and the liver is kind of the energetic seat of anger and the body so like uh any kind of like bitter or like liver supporting medicine i'm not like trying to give medical advice on your podcast yeah 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 but like um, advice but yeah totally um, we support yeah, like I just, you know, working with so just working with like digestive bitters and stuff like that can be helpful, mm-hmm. I think. And then um uh like also just on the opposite side, you know, like uh, you know, obviously I I think it's an energy that you really have to burn off, but just also just like drinking a lot of water and taking a lot of salt baths and stuff, like water is, you know, on the other side, like obviously if I'm like really angry, like taking a bath is not necessarily going to chill me out because I have that I have to work that energy out. But then, yes. you know, just, but also um, when I just need to be cooled off, like I just like taking a lot of showers and baths has always just been really healing for me and just drinking lots of water and stuff like that. Um, and then also like, uh, you know, journaling, like getting your feelings out so that you don't <laughs> like you don't uh, yes. stew. You don't implode. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, just it's honestly mm. just like finding finding healthy, constructive outlets for it. And then also for um for me, because, you know, uh, Mars rules my fifth house, like figuring out creative outlets to channel that energy as well. Mm-hmm. 100%. I love what you said about um, Mars and pumping iron. I've never thought to put it in those words, but I think it's totally true. Um, yeah, I mean, it's like a, a corny phrase yeah. that makes me think of like Arnold Schwarzenegger <laughs> or something, but like, I, I just think like, like you know. Hans and Franz from Yeah, SNL. totally. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> yeah, when Mars was on the South Node a couple days ago, that was literally the first thing I did. I woke up, I put my yoga mat out, I got my waist and I was like, okay, we're going to work this energy out. It's going to be all right. Um, it makes a huge difference. But then the back really too help temper it on the other side. I love that. Mm-hmm. Um, another aspect of your chart I'm curious about. So I noticed you have this like super outspoken Mercury in Sagittarius. So like, we'll <laughs> yeah. say anything once all the knowledge with Venus in hyper secret of Scorpio. Mm-hmm. How do you balance those two things? Um, it's hard. Honestly, it's weird because I feel like, um, I, I am sort of forward facing and in my life because I am an artist and I'm on the internet and stuff like that. But then when it comes to like my, my private life and my love life, it's like, I'm really don't like talking about myself. 
And, um, and so that's why mm-hmm. it was honestly like really difficult for me. Like my, my friend Mallory that I have a podcast with, like she really wanted to do it and I wanted to do it too. But um, she was kind of the driving force behind moving it forward because I had a ton of reservations about putting myself out there in that way. Because I feel like when you put yourself out there um, as an artist or as a musician, you can sort of hide yourself in it to, to an extent. Um, and sure. when you're doing a podcast, you're just like literally, you're just, you're, you're just yourself and you can't really um you know you, you you're just out there <laughs> like you just have your ass out you know what i mean in a very different Definitely. way it feels and much so, more exposed than like putting yeah. a piece of writing or an album definitely totally you know um so you know that it's it's been hard for me but it's been a really really good exercise for me too and it's been a great experience like i really enjoy doing it and you know people seem to like it which is really cool um but yeah so i feel like it's just finding that balance between like p- what what's public and what's private um and then you know like mm-hmm. <laughs> i mean i'm like a notorious tweet deleter <laughs> too yeah. like all like i, I cuz i feel like thing is terrible like i feel like mercury gives me this like diarrhea of the mouth and then i like just have to like want to take back <laughs> everything i said all the time you know um so yeah That's fair. and i and then, um, you know, so I'm just, it, it's like certain things I'll talk about online, but other things about like my personal life, you know, I'm really sort of guarded about in a lot of ways. Definitely. I relate to that so much. And I think maybe because we both have a uh, son in the 12th house by whole sign, mm-hmm. at least. Yeah. Um, it, I feel like it's this constant struggle because the the world for creatives now is very much the reality is like be your own publicist you are a marketer as much as you are a creative or an artist mm-hmm. um and i'm i'm constantly writing that line of like oh my gosh i need to put more things out on the internet oh this feels totally it's, it's not the the default mode um for me mm-hmm. for sure um yeah and i, think I it's, it, been, it's hard to not feel like you're being phony or yeah yeah uh it it just feels yucky sometimes but Mm -hmm, i think there's ways to make it genuine and i think that's something that you over the years have done really really well so thank you we we love to see it i gotta Um, be me (laughs) i know there's nobody else you can be um so back to the mercury and sagittarius and venus and scorpio on astrology twitter um, there's been a larger conversation going on about elemental dignities and what happens when planets are in their fall or detriment. So if you're listening mm-hmm. and you're newer to astrology, um, that means that a planet is traditionally not in a good place. Um, so it would be, um, opposite into, uh, the sign I'm of its in- relationship. <laughs> yeah. I'm intimately okay. familiar with planets in detriment. <laughs> I have three. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. It's, uh, it's rough. I have, uh, yeah. Venus and Virgo is the, the struggle of my life. So mm-hmm. since you are intimately familiar with it, I'm curious, what do you think about having planets in those traditionally bad positions? Like, how do you feel about the conversation and how do you work with those placements? Well, I mean, I'm not going to like, so I have just to, you know, say I have uh, Jupiter, Mercury and Venus in detriment. So I have Venus in Scorpio and then I have Jupiter in Sagittarius. I mean, Jupiter in Virgo and then I have Mercury in Sagittarius. So Jupiter and Virgo have, I mean, Jupiter and Mercury have mutual reception. And then um, Mm -hmm. I have some, I have a lot, I have have a lot of mitigating receptions, which helps. Um, But, you know, I, I will say that like, you know, my life, 
up to now uh, has been rough. Like my 20s were a really, really difficult time. My childhood was really difficult. Mm. Um, I feel like, uh, you know, knowing that now and seeing that reflected in this in my chart has been really healing for me. Like I feel like um, one of the things that astrology does best is it allows us to contextualize our own personal pain in the context of like a larger cycles. And, um, you know, you can, when you can see like your mm-hmm. crappy problem, like reflected in the heavens, it's like, it adds this beauty and beauty to it and meaning that, um, is really healing and comforting to me. Um, and my, but also like, I mean, my life has gotten progressively better every year and I feel like I'm finally in a really good place. And I feel like, um, you know, the challenges that I've had to face, you know, are it that sounds corny, but like they made me the person that Not I am at all. today, you know, and so, um, you know, and uh, my friend Chris Rapucci, who's a really amazing astrologer, um, he did a reading mm-hmm. for me once and he basically was just like, you know, you still get shit done because you have all these like other receptions and other like secondary dignities. You just kind of feel out of step with the world because you do things differently from everyone else. Like, so it's like, I still get Jupiter stuff done. I still do Mercury things. I still do Venus things. I just don't do them the same way that everyone else does, you know? And so, and, and Mm -hmm. I do feel that I do feel that feeling of sort of being a little bit out of step with everyone else and a little bit of like a weird loner kind of, um, but you know, but I mean, I'm I'm kind of like at a place where like, you know, I also I like myself and I, I like who I am. And, you know, um, another thing is I have a lot of um, like set. Well, I have a lot of Sagittarius and then I have a lot of um, like I have Chiron in the sixth house as well. And so I feel like uh, and then mm-hmm. I have like I have Razel Hogg, who is uh, can like part of Ophiuchus, which who is associated with Asclepius and then also um uh, other like sort of asteroids related to healing and and he- like uh, and so I kind of really um, resonate with the sort of like wounded healer archetype in a lot of ways. Not that I think of myself yeah. as a healer necessarily, but as someone that like I've been through a lot of shit, and so I feel like I it's given me like wisdom that I can pass on to other people. Also, because I'm someone who's like, I just, I'm a really big, like, self experimenter. And so I like go out and try all the stuff. And then I tell my, and then I tell everybody, like, oh, this, like, I tried this and it works really well. And like, it might help you or like, you know, stuff like that. So I feel like, um, I feel like, you know, the struggles that I've had, like, are, are useful and that I feel like I can, you know, be helpful to other people. And, you know, I feel like I, you know, am, they've made me really resilient as a person too. So, you know, I've gotten to a place where I feel really good and I kind of love my chart now, but yes. it, it took, you yes, know, yes. it wasn't, I, I'm like, I'm, I'm, I just turned 40 this last year. So, you know, I, I'm like, I've had a while to, <laughs> to kind of get to where I am now. Um, so it, it wasn't always easy, you know, but um, I think that being a Sagittarius rising also kind of helps you to always be you know, always be striving to uh, heal and do better and to be have this sort of like sense of optimism about things. That's really helpful in a lot of ways. Like I feel like um, it helps me to like see the teacher and things and, you know, see, see things more in terms of like how this is going to help me be a better person or that sort of thing. 
you know? Oh yeah, definitely. The Sagittarius rising part of me is the, the, what is the Cardi B song? Knock down nine times, get up 10 for yeah, sure. Totally. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, almost like to your own detriment, you're like, I just got knocked down nine times, but I'm still going to go out and try again. Totally. Even if the world is a total shit show. Um, yeah. Like you just keep on throwing stuff at the wall until it sticks. Um, mm-hmm. I absolutely love everything you just said about that. And I think, you know, one thing about astrology in its sort of mainstream moment that we're in right now is that I feel like there's this um, tendency by people to want to use astrology to eradicate pain, right? Mm-hmm. Which is totally human and natural. Like, we're, it's not fun to experience pain. I'm not trying to glamorize, you know, hurting. Um, but mm-hmm. I think that as li- living in the world, you're going to go through things that are hard. And if you can look mm-hmm. at your chart and find a roadmap or a mirror that shows you, you know, this is how I can grow from that, or this is how that has become a part of me. Um, and I can grow stronger from it. Like that's, that's the best thing you could hope for. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm. So I am intrigued by the fact that in your chart, you have uh, a kite uh, formation. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I'm really into chart formations. I have a grand mutable cross. I talk about it to anyone who will listen. Um, so a kite I think formation. they're really cool too, but I feel like it, it seems like one of those things that like people poo poo was like being like not real or not, you yeah. know, like yods or something 100%. like that. <laughs> but I mean, I, I don't really like honestly know enough. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't honestly know that much about them. I knew, I knew that I have a kite and I like my, I know that my chart is very like interesting shaped. Like I actually have a tattoo of the <laughs> shape because it like looks like oh, a wow. diamond, but, um, mm-hmm. But yeah, it's like, I feel like it's like not, it's not cool to talk about chart shapes, really. So I, for that reason, I don't really know that much about them. Not because I don't think it's cool, but just because I feel like there's not a lot of information out there because people don't talk about it that much. Right. It's not trendy at the moment. I was thinking of it from this lens. So you talk uh, a lot publicly about having been on this like very intense healing journey um, your earlier years were very challenging and difficult. Um, and the overall idea of a grand trine or even a kite to a lesser extent is like, your life is supposed to be so easy. Things fall into your lap mm-hmm. and it's so great. Um, and it sounds like that is like not at all been your experience. Like, um, have you experienced the opposition aspect of it a little more, do you think? Or like, how do you view um, that? I think that it has helped me. Like, uh, I feel like it, what my fire i have a fire grind grand trine and mm-hmm. uh t- from mars to my ascendant and my moon and i feel like um it's made me able to be good at a lot of different things like i feel like um mm-hmm. i pick up mm-hmm. like i i i i'm sort of this jack of all trades because of it because i feel like i can pick up things really easily so um and i think that that's one of the significations of grand trines is just like having this like sort of a little like things kind of going easy for easier for you um and i think that it because it's uh connected to my moon and my fifth house too so it's like uh you know like i uh, taught myself gotcha. how to like like I taught myself how to use Photoshop and like, that's what I do for my day job. And like, I know how to do video and shoot my own video and edit video. And then I'm also a musician and I'm an artist and I was a painting major and I'm also a photographer and I know how to like, you know, build websites (laughs) and like all that, you know what I mean? Like, so it's like, 
I feel like I'm really good at teaching myself how to do stuff that will benefit my expression and my creativity. So that's sort of where the ease of the Grand Trine has played out for me. Like I'm just sort of like naturally good at certain things without having to put a ton of like effort into learning how to do them, you know? But right, at the same time, absolutely. It, but at the same time, it helps it like, um, it prevents me from usually like going, I won't go too deeply with stuff because uh, I get bored. <laughs> you know what I mean? Okay. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, like, with the fire trying, I could definitely see that. And Sagittarius yeah. rising, I get easily bored too. I'll be like, yeah, mm, I'm trying so to, it's like, to do something different. Yeah. So it's like, you know, I'll get super, super like obsessed with a subject matter. And then like, I get really bored. And then I like on to the next thing. And I think it probably drives my husband mm -hmm. crazy. But he kind of is. <laughs> right. He's, he's pretty ride or die about like whatever weird shit I'm into at, at any given point. So I appreciate that. <laughs> that is so sweet. Yeah. Having the supportive yeah. husband is an absolute must for, uh, <laughs> for the Sagittarius rising of the world, I think. Um, so moving away a little bit from your specific placements, um, one thing that I love about your astrology practice is that you lean more towards the traditional and even medical sides of astrology, or at least the astrology mm -hmm. of the body, um, while keeping mm -hmm. it down to earth. How did you find those areas of specialization? Like what drew you to them or got you started? Um, I think that it was because, you know, I feel like uh, my spirituality is so like body based and embodied mm -hmm. that uh, the astrology of the body was really interesting to me for that reason. Um, because at the end of the day, I feel like, um, you know, as a, a witch or a mystic, I feel like my my body is like my most important tool. Like, I feel like the body is the, yeah. the, the vehicle through which we experience like the spiritual um, and so I think it was just like, um, it's, it's really interesting to me for that reason. And so that's kind of like why I got into it. Um, and yeah. Um, and, and I also just really like traditional astrology because I just love the symmetry of it. Like if you look at into the Hellenistic astrology, like just the system is so just beautiful and symmetrical and like the, the way that the, Definitely. like the theme of Monday is laid out. It's just like, it has this beauty to it that just makes so much sense to me. Um, and uh, also I think that I reason, the reason I like, traditional astrology is the same reason that I like the Marseille tarot as opposed to the Rider Waite Smith tarot. And that is oh, like, yeah. um, it's, it's similar in that I feel like, um, m more forms of modern astrology and the Rider Waite, uh, tend to be more psychologically based. And while I think that that stuff has value and I'm not like bashing on modern astrology at all, I think that, right. um, when stuff tends to be more psychologically based and when there's sort of more like uh over like esoteric overlays like placed onto things like there's more of a tendency for you to be able to delude yourself or to make stuff just mean whatever you want it to mean and yes. so oh my gosh and yeah. And so, and so, and because the writer Waite Smith is so, and, and a lot of modern astrology is so open-ended in that way. Um, uh, it's just like, I, I prefer systems where it's just like, this means what it means, you know? And, right. um, there's a specificity because, to it. Yeah. To, which I appreciate because like, 
I have a tendency to just like want to like get the best, <laughs> you know, like yeah, I, of I, course, I, anybody, you would. know, <laughs> and so I prefer, I honestly, I prefer a system that's going to like, like hand my ass to me so that I can't like fuck around. You know what I mean? So I just, yeah. I like, I like traditional systems for that reason, because they, they, they force me to be real with myself. Mm, yeah, I've never heard it phrased that way before, but I think that is absolutely true. There is that, um, it, it's not that it's more rigorous, but like, because it is older, like it's, there's defined rules and there are specifics and you don't fall into that. Well, it could possibly, if you look at it with your eyes squinted and like, right, or like, oh no, it doesn't <laughs> you know? really mean death. It means transformation or, you know what I mean? Yeah, <laughs> and like, yeah, you know. Yeah. So and, and actually, I do, yeah. yeah, and and I do think that there are like there's value in both so styles. Like I'm not like bashing one or the other. Yeah. Like I do think that um you know astrology has the ability to describe both both inner and outer experiences. Um, and the same right. with the tarot, you know. So mm -hmm. I, I use yeah. I, I use them in both ways, but I think it's also just good to start with to to start with the more traditional systems and then go from there like build from that and it because i wholeheartedly uh, it's agree. easier that as because a foundation you, it, is important yeah just because you're just kind of going back to basics i guess um mm -hmm. and 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 i'm just kind of like nerdy in that way and that i want to know i always want to know the why and i'm and i and whenever i learn a new thing i'm like oh well where did that person get their information from and then where did that person and then it just goes back down and so i always want to go to like back to original sources and stuff so mm -hmm. falling down the bibliography hole is a really fun thing to do yeah totally <laughs> <laughs> um so while we're talking about uh, spiritual traditions and magical practice, so I saw something in your bio that I wanted to ask about, and you don't have to answer mm -hmm. if you don't want, um, but you mentioned that your spiritual journey began at the age of five with a near-death experience where you had a vision. Um, yes. <laughs> can you tell us a little bit about that spiritual experience? Like, it must have been really profound. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> yeah, it's, it was weird. Um, so, uh, um, just to, as a background, I was, um, I'm Catholic. I was raised Catholic. Um, I, I, you know, engage with some, uh, aspects of Catholic tradition as an adult. Now I don't consider myself a member of the Catholic church, but I do, um, mm -hmm. engage with like the forms of Catholicism. So I have a saint work practice and, you know, I, I venerate Mary and stuff like that. So just, you know, Anyway, um, so I was like about five years old and there was a carbon monoxide leak in my house um, and mm -hmm. my parents were out of town like my my uh, godmother who was is quite old was quite older was staying with me and my brother and um, basically like, you know, uh, we all just passed out <laughs> um, and, oh. you know, yeah, and and when the ambulance came or whatever, my my godmother called the ambulance, and then they came, and she was so out of it that they almost left me behind because she was too out of it to say like, oh no, there's someone still in the house, you know. And yeah, I just remember having course. this like, I just remember having this really uh, intense, vivid, peaceful dream in which I was being led through a, a meadow, like a beautiful meadow. And it was like by this, like just being made of light, 
And I remember it so vividly. Um, And at the time, like, I didn't think I really knew what was happening, but I just knew that it was like more real than real, you know, like I knew it was more than just because I was still pretty young and I don't think I was able to make sense of the experience until later. But I just knew like I knew that this was like something more than just a regular dream. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so absolutely. And so, I mean, you know, as I grew up older and I also I grew up in New Orleans too which is like you know a place where spirituality is sort of like more out in the open and and magic and that sort of thing but um you know I went through sort of my own weird dark night of the soul where I was like you know first of all like I left the Catholic Church because they're like a horrible criminal organization (laughs) but um (laughs) but um you know I just like you know went through that sort of period that everyone does in their 20s where they're like oh, I don't know it's real and uh, you know and like just kind of you question <laughs> everything because real. like yeah yeah totally you know you just sort of question everything and whatever but even throughout that I never became an atheist because I always knew that you know there was something more like that when we die we don't it's right. not just the end or you know what I mean so um, mm-hmm. I feel like that having had that experience like always sort of kept me open and um and, and and not skeptical, you know? Yeah, 100%. That's incredible. Thank you so much for sharing. And yeah. I can imagine <laughs> as a young child, that would be hard to parse out like, um, no, that's probably some sort of, you know, other world experience for sure. Um, yeah. But it sounds like it's had a huge impact. You, you mm-hmm. talk a little bit, well, quite a lot on Good Bones um, and, and your other work about the role Catholicism has played and currently plays in your practice. You said you have a folk saint veneration practice. Um, You talk Mm -hmm. a lot about archangels. I'm curious, how did you sort of go about reclaiming that relationship to Catholicism um, and Um, Catholic mysticism? Well, I think that it was because I realized that, um, you know, I had denied that part of myself and my upbringing uh, for such a long time and that that wasn't helping me to heal. And so um, Mm -hmm. uh, just to like, just to be clear, like, uh, sorry if this is like too heavy for the podcast, but um, I was. No, uh, it's fine. Yeah, I was uh, sexually abused by a member of my family when I was growing up, like while I was being raised Catholic. And so not only did. Catholicism kind of like really messed me up for that reason, but also to have that happen while I was getting all this messaging about sex and all of that stuff being like wrong yeah. and dirty and whatever, um, just kind of was like not a great experience for me. And so um, I just sort of kind of wrote the whole thing off. And then I realized that, you know, denying that part of myself and denying that part of my ancestry like hadn't helped me heal. So I needed to kind of like go into it and and reclaim it for myself and figure out what it means for me and so i sort of discovered through my like research um uh like sort of like uh, my own form of eroticism within catholicism if that makes sense and so that's what kind of led me to to become really interested in the female mystics because mm-hmm. they all were women that had had these intense uh, visionary experiences where they were basically like having these like erotic visions of Christ, you know, and anyone yeah. who like anyone or and, and, you know, like basically, you know, they considered Christ to be like their husbands and stuff like that. So mm-hmm. 
Um, you know, I mean, anyone who has seen the statue, the ecstasy of St. Teresa, like, can tell you that I like, was just reli- getting ready to say like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, like that, that like re- religious ecstasy is a sexual experience or an erotic experience at least and so um i feel like a sort of uh yeah exploring that angle has really helped me to come to terms with like the ways that my sexuality was affected and shaped by catholicism in a way um yeah so and so that's something I've just been exploring for a while now. And my next album that I'm working on now is about the female mystics and about uh, about religious ecstasy, basically. Oh, that is so exciting. Um, do you have any ideas about when the album may or may not be finished? Are you in sort of the writing phase or are you in like more like yeah. post-production? Um, no, I'm in, I'm still in the writing phase. Um, I had a, the okay. opportunity uh, last summer to do a really amazing um, artist residency through at this place called Star and Snake, which is run by two amazing people, Natan and Kay. It looks beautiful. Uh, yeah, it's so cool. And I was so lucky to be able to do that. And um, I got to actually work on the album and like while living in a church, basically. Because uh, oh, wow. the space okay. is, yeah, the space is a church connected to a house that um, they converted basically into like artist space and performance space. And then they run an artist residency twice a year out of there. And so I applied and got to go. And so that's when I started working on the album then. And then um, I, because it was such an intense period of working on the record for like two weeks where I was just kind of working on it all day, every day, I feel, I felt like I needed to take a break and like let that stuff marinate for a while. Mm -hmm. And so I just kind of have gotten back to it in the past couple of weeks. So I'm still, I'm still kind of, it's going to be a it's going to be a little while before it's out. I think maybe like either this, the end of this year or maybe next year. Um, Cause I'm also writing, um, I'm going to have like a, a book that's going to go with it. That's going to have like prayers and some writing about the mystics and stuff like that. And so I'm going to kind of release it all together as like a art package that has the album and then a book Yay. that goes with it. I feel like Mercury retrograde and Pisces and Aquarius, like there could not be a better time to go and like mm-hmm. revisit and that musical yeah. and artistic work. It was totally on the Aquarius new moon. I woke up in that morning with one of the songs that I had written, like stuck in my head. And I was like, okay, oh, it's time, uh-huh. you know, to, to go back to it. So that was like, just like interesting timing because Aquarius is my third house too. So. Yes. Aquarius third house is weird for me. I don't have anything else going on there. So I kind of struggle mm-hmm. to understand it sometimes, but yeah, I feel, like I, it, it, just I, be- I, I feel like I struggle to understand Aquarius like at all in general, you know what I mean? Like, it's just like, <laughs> it's just like a sign that I never have really gotten. And I, but I think that that's kind of like its nature is that it's just weird and, you know, Right. That's the thing that I admire most about my Aquarius friends, of which I have many, Mm -hmm. strangely, is that they just like are totally unafraid to be super weird on Maine. And like many of them have made like full careers out of it. Um, Yeah. And they they make it just seem so effortlessly cool. So Mm -hmm. I love that. Um, Yeah. Last thing I wanted to mention about your spiritual practice on the um, uh, religious ecstasy and eroticism Front. I wonder how much your dedication to Babylon and your devotional work with her maybe helped with that healing process. 
Um, yeah, that, I know that, that too, for sure. Um, I haven't yet read the interview you published in the Brazen Vessel, but I really want to. Um, that's a, a book put out by Scarlet Imprint uh, by Alkistis Demek, um, and also yeah, with that was in there me, by Peter Gray and others. Yeah, that was me interviewing Alkistis. Just to be clear, yeah, like I interviewed okay. her oh, so for. Cool. Yeah, so it's not her interviewing hmm. me; it's the other way around. Uh, okay. I, yeah. I, I haven't yet ordered the book. Um, mm-hmm. I've been um, trying really hard to like um, get as many things as I can from the library. Um, mm-hmm. And I always request books to the library, which I always feel very transgressive in old South Carolina. Yeah, requesting Scarlet um, Imprint books to the library. Like, Scarlet Imprint, that's what I want. Bring it here. Um, <laughs> just bring a, a little bit more uh, Lucifer back down yeah. to the South. We, we need it. <laughs> totally. Um, funny. Okay. To wrap us up, I'm going to do a short little lightning round. Um, I do it with everybody who has that interview. You can tell me uh, just really quick your answer and why. Okay, so what is your favorite? Do you have a favorite planet? Uh, I want to say Saturn, but I feel like lately Ooh. it's Mars because I've had to. It's, I feel like lately it's Mars because it's had to be, but I, Saturn is my favorite planet. Saturn is a bold move. I feel like everyone, yeah. Saturn has a really bad reputation these days. But yeah, totally. I secretly well, love like Saturn he's too. A, he's always had a bad, well, she, I, I, actually, I'm going to say she because I consider Saturn to be a feminine planet. But, um, <sighs> without, but, uh, but yeah, Saturn, I feel like Saturn had an even worse uh, reputation when you, when you look at the traditional sources, like especially in medieval astrology, it's just like Saturn rules like everything that sucks and is disgusting and gross and like people that are, people <laughs> right. that are ruled by Saturn are ugly and terrible and like, you know what I mean? But, but it really does say that y'all like, yeah. Yeah, Saturn ruling people look awful. They'll never yeah. find anyone to be with ever. And we hate yeah. Totally. It's not a good move. I, no, love, I love Saturn. Saturn though. And I'm, I'm I just think the, that Saturn is a, I think Saturn is an amazing teacher. I also, um, I think maybe just because I'm a Scorpio and have my son in the 12th house, like, uh, you know, I'm really, uh, uh, you know, my, a, a lot of my spiritual practice is working with the dead. Um, I, I was also born on yeah. All Souls Day. My birthday is All Souls oh. Day or Day of the Dead or whatever. So, for that reason. Um, and it, it, you know, it's just like, it's the most goth planet. <laughs> yes, so I, yeah. the most goth. I don't know. I just, I just feel like, uh, I don't know. I feel like I, you're I, caught I, between I, the most goth planet and the most metal planet. Right? Yeah, totally. You know, so <laughs> I just, very I, dark. yeah. So I don't know. I just have always felt, uh, drawn by Saturn. That's good. Somebody has to be, but yeah, yeah. like, Bring that reputation back up. Yeah. Um, you got to stick up for the underdog. <laughs> <laughs> um, if you had to pick a Zodiac sign to party with, which one would you want to party with? Most? To party with. Hmm. Yes. Uh, I'm going to say, I'm going to say Gemini because all of my like best relationships are with Gemini's. Uh, my husband's a Gemini. Mallory's Aww. a Gemini. Um, so I, I kind of just have the f- most fun with them. And I also feel like um, as Scorpios and Geminis, we need to, uh, as the most hated signs, we kind of need to band together. <laughs> 100%. We have to have each other's backs. Yeah, totally. 
Mm -hmm. Um, is there a zodiac sign that frustrates you the most? I know you said that Aquarians are confusing, but um, I feel like I the 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 signs that frustrate me the most are the other fixed signs. Yes, definitely. You know. Which makes sense because it's just like we're all, you know, kind of stuck in our ways. And so other people being stuck in their ways that are completely different from ours is annoying, you know? Like, I don't, mm -hmm. I mean, I obviously, I'm not, I'm not like, you know, super judgy about people who are like, oh, all Tauruses suck or anything like that. Obviously, I have right, friends of, right, every, right. <laughs> of every sign, you know, but I feel like um, the, the people, like when, when I'm frustrated by someone who is a Taurus or an Aquarius or a Leo, I'm more like, like the most frustrated with them, you know? <laughs> like I feel like I feel like um when they get under my skin they have the tendency to get under my skin like more than any other signs, you know. Oh, yeah, definitely. I could see that. I I think that what you were saying just the the nature of that fixedness, like if you have a mm -hmm. conflict with someone who is also a fixed sign, you're going to have yeah. to do some real work to jump over those hurdles of like, no, this is like my way is the right way to do it. And totally. I'm sorry about it. Um Yeah. Mm. So last one, who is there a celebrity chart that you keep coming back to or that you're obsessed with? Who has the most interesting astrology chart to you? Um, I don't know, but uh, I actually uh, I made last year. I was really proud of myself because I made my um, first ever submission to the Astro Data Bank. And that was like when I felt like yes. I was like I'm a real astrologer. But um, I actually found the birth certificate of Marjorie Cameron. Uh, who is a, I'm a huge fan of her. Yeah. And so um, her chart is wow. so fascinating to me and she's an artist and someone who I really just admire. Um, so that's one that I, I look at a lot for sure. So and have looked at a lot. hilariously, I pulled down uh, Marjorie Cameron's chart over the summer. I was like studying it, researching it, looking at different asteroids. I was looking at Jack Parsons too. Um, oh my God, no way. I was like, yeah, I was like, God bless the person who found this birth certificate. And it's you. Oh my God, that's so funny. So it's me. I'm like so happy. Yeah. Thank that's you so really much cool. for that. <laughs> yeah, I was just I like, like on this weird ancestry website. And like, um, I just was like, I'm going to look it up, you know, and see if she was on there. And I found oh, it. So That is a really big uh, Scorpio 12th house mood. For sure. Yeah. I was totally. on the ancestry website and found Marjorie Cameron's birth chart. Well, thank you. Thank you for finding it. It's yeah, I feel like um, Scorpio everywhere. I feel like Scorpio Sun in the twelfth is so like detective energy. Like I was watching, there's like this oh, really yeah. cheesy. There's this really really cheesy show on like, on the CW. It's the Nancy Drew TV show, and like I feel like oh, Nancy gosh. Drew. <laughs> it's so cheesy, but like I really love all the like Archie verse CW shows. Like so, my husband and I watch like Sabrina, and and um he likes the my Riverdale one and I just whatever. Started Sabrina. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but um, the Na and the, the Nancy Drew show is like so cheesy, but it's just like really fun trash TV, and um, she is just like this uh, really annoying detective who's just like constantly annoying everyone by like s like snooping into shit and like whatever. And I'm just like, she's a Scorpio. <laughs> oh, definitely. Yeah. I feel like you and I have finally found a, a constructive channel for that like annoying detective energy by each having our own podcasts. 
Yeah, um, totally. And just like doing obsessive research into like weird shit, you know, is like a really, oh, it's like, definitely. It is a great, like a podcast is a great like place to just talk about like whatever weird stuff that you've been like digging into. Right. Because more time. than likely there's going to be somebody else who's interested in the same weird stuff. People are weird. Yeah. And they like weird stuff. Mm-hmm. That's it. Totally. I don't think we're going to do any better than Marjorie Cameron's birth chart. <laughs> This is a good good place to stop. (laughs) This was wonderful. Thank you so, so much for coming on. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for having me. This was really fun.